series about being transformed from brokenness to wholeness. And we looked last week through Doug's teaching at the conflicted self of Lot. The Bible says Lot was a righteous man, but he was conflicted when it came to making the right choices concerning the Lord and His will. Should I? Shouldn't I? Will it work out? Won't it work out? It appeals to me. It doesn't appeal to me. On the other hand, the text selected today is about Lot's uncle, Abraham. And though God asked him to do something absolutely astounding, even really, we might say, unbelievable, Abraham seemed at peace to go with God's will within himself, even though the request was something unique and hard to believe. So let's look at that in Genesis in chapter 22. It's one of the great gospel texts of the Old Testament. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. and He himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went up together, or went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son. Abraham replied, The fire and wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him now, that I, now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Back in the 1800s, a hymn was written that is still 
wonderfully used today. In fact, it was sung here in our Barclay services just last week in the traditional service just a few weeks ago. Just as I am. It was written by Charlotte Elliott, who at one time had been a carefree party girl in New York society. Then she'd become ill, never to recover her health again, to live for years as an invalid. But as an invalid, a Scottish friend who was also a preacher came to her and witnessed to her and spoke to her about coming to the Lamb of God. She looked at that as her conversion experience. Years later, when her brother, who had become a minister, was needing to raise funds for a children's program, she wrote a hymn, Just As I Am. The royalties from that hymn were such that it did a great job in funding the need of the children. She understood what it was to be broken in yourself and then to be transformed in yourself by the Lord. She writes in verse 3 of Just As I Am, Just as I am, though tossed about with many a conflict, many a doubt, fightings and fears within, without. O Lamb of God, I come. The fourth verse, just as I am, poor, wretched, blind. Speaking of brokenness. But sight, riches, healing of the mind. Speaking of transformation. Yea, all I need in thee to find. O Lamb of God, I come. I come. Doug used a word to describe Lot in his brokenness last week, conflicted. He chose the word today with Abraham, comfortable in his own skin or within himself to follow the Lord. That's transforming of self. I did a lot of thinking about the struggle that we have with ourselves. And in part, while we find ourselves rebellious at times, I think a lot of our struggle within ourselves has to do with regret. Sometimes it's the regret that dominates us because we cannot forgive ourselves for something that we did or something that we didn't do that we should have done. And we just consistently in ourselves, sense of brokenness because of that regret. You know, there was a time in my life when I went through a divorce. And in the culture in which I grew up, as a Christian, to go through divorce meant you had moved into the neighborhood of hell. And one day someone really encouraged me. They said, you know, Tim, C.I. Schofield, who edited the Schofield Bible. And I know for some of you Reformed theologians that he was dispensational, but that study Bible has been a great help to a lot of Christians, whether you agree with every angle or not of his interpretation. They say, you know, C.I. Schofield had been divorced, but God went on to use him. You know, that, that lifted me. It didn't change the fact of what had happened. It didn't change the fact of some of the consequences that remain in my life to this very day because of that. But it gave me a sense of not being so much in regret but in renewal. And I came across a verse in Hebrews chapter 11 where the Bible lists among the hall of faith heroes, Samson. 
And you know, Samson made some serious errors in his life. But God still found within him a heart of faith and listed him in his hall of faith. And I thought, you know, there's hope for me. And so today, you may be struggling within yourself with great regret because you just can't seemingly forgive yourself. Well, please remember, God forgives us. And he says, I remember your sins no more. It's not that God forgets. It's not that God isn't aware of the consequences. It's that God doesn't dwell on it. And may we move forward. Sometimes it's about accepting ourselves. Sometimes folks really struggle with the regret that, you know, the way I'm shaped or the size that I am or the shade of skin that God gave to me or maybe my struggles in the, in the area of physical ability or disability, I have a hard time accepting myself. And they live dominated by that regret. And, you know, Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6, which one of you can, can add one single hour to your life on your own. The King James says, who, who can add, you know, uh, one inch to your stature, so to speak? In other words, there are some basics that you cannot change. And it really becomes a matter of, all right, this is the package God put me in, and I'm going to go ahead and serve him in that package. I remember years ago as a pastor in Monroeville and a family came to visit a service, and afterwards they decided to say for Sunday school, and, and the son was a sixth grader, and he's also a dwarf. And uh, they said, well, could our son go to the sixth grade Sunday school class? And I said, yes, we have one for boys. And so as I'm taking him downstairs, the whole time my mind is running, and I'm thinking, oh, I hope the kids won't be hard on him, and I hope the teacher will be in the classroom to keep order and not let anybody give him a bad time, and oh, this could be terrible. And I walked in, and there was no teacher. But there were two sixth-grade boys sitting there, and I thought, oh, brother. And I said, fellas, I want to... And I turned around, and this young man had already jumped up on a chair on his knees and was talking a mile a minute to those two other fellas. And I thought, he doesn't need me. He had learned that the package God had put him into, just go on and enjoy life, serve the Lord, get with it. I just recently was at the beach, and, you know, I love to sit on the beach and watch the people walk by. I'd rather do that than walk myself, but uh, and so I, I like to watch them walk by. And you know what was amazing to me? To see every size and shape. And you know what's neat about the beach? Nobody really cares. <laughs> They're not there to impress you, believe me. <laughs> I wasn't impressed overall. And I don't think I saw more than one or two supermodels. And uh, you said, we well, shouldn't have been looking. Well, I couldn't help it. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, they, and, and, and you know, I just saw folks, and you know, the thing was, they were there, they were enjoying nature, whether it was the sun or the sea or the shells or the sand. Perhaps they were enjoying companionship as they walked along with somebody else or enjoying solitude in a sense, just walking by themselves and just relaxed and not worrying about how they appeared or who thought how they appeared, but just, hey, this is who I am. I'm here. I'm enjoying it. I thought, what a great lesson. The package God has put you into, don't be so frustrated by it or always worked up about it. Go on and enjoy life. Serve the Lord. Some things we can change, but there's a lot of things we can't and we won't. Go on and accept yourself and serve the Lord. And then, you know, I thought sometimes we, we don't value ourselves. 
And that's where the brokenness and the regret set in. Because we look at what we can't do compared to what others can do. And we say, boy, if I could only do that, I'd be happier. If I could only do that, I wouldn't have these regrets if I were only like them. Years ago, I learned that lesson. I was sitting with my dad, and we were watching a a sports activity on TV. And I said, you know, Dad, I've got to be honest with you. I said, it's kind of embarrassing to me that I look at these athletes on the TV playing this sports game, and, and I'm the same age they are. I can't do any of that stuff. And he said, son, guess what? None of them can preach like you can. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. But, you know, I thought, that's right. God has given us all something. 1 Corinthians in chapter 12 is worthy of your study. How God has taken every one of his children and has put a spiritual ability or gift within us that is for his purpose, for the benefit of the church, for the service of Christ. Yours may not be mine. Mine surely will not be yours. But together, we have something to offer. And so do not focus on what you can't do or what others can do, but what has God gifted enabled you to do? And this is all part of that healing process of transforming from the broken self to the transformed self in Christ. In our text today, we see Abraham in that peace within himself type of approach to the will of God. First of all, see his reply. The Bible says that God comes to test him. God says, Abraham, and Abraham replies, here I am. Not like Adam, who when God calls for Adam, he's hiding in the garden. Not like Jonah, when God calls to Jonah, Jonah runs the other way. But rather, Abraham pictures for us Samuel, the great prophet of the Old Testament, who has a boy, perhaps seven, eight, nine years old, or even younger, is in the temple of the Lord sleeping there because he stays there and works with Eli, the high priest, and he hears a voice in the night calling Samuel, Samuel, and he keeps going to Eli and saying, what do you want? And Eli says, I'm not calling you. Finally, Eli perceives it's the Lord, and Eli says, the next time you hear the voice, you say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so the next time God calls Samuel, Samuel, this young boy says, speak, for your servant is listening. And all through his life, as we biblically study it, God speaks to him again and again and again. And Samuel hears and Samuel responds, sometimes in joy, sometimes in tears. But he has this connection. Lord, speak. I'm listening. Here's Abraham, not like Lot who when the angels came into the gate of Sodom, as Doug pointed out last week, Lot's like, boy, I'm glad you're here, but I hope you get out of here in a hurry. Boy, I'm glad you're here, but it's making it uncomfortable for me. Boy, I'm glad you're here, but let's see if we can sneak you in and sneak you out. Now Abraham just openly, comfortably comes and says, Lord, here I am. That's the transformed self, not the conflicted self. And then I see Abraham's response. It's a response of obedience, and it's a response of faith. You see, the Bible says early,
early the next morning. Some Bible teachers believe that when Abraham was called by God in that initial test, and he said, Abraham, and Abraham, Sarah, here I am. It was in the night visions. But now Abraham gets up early the next morning, and he cuts the wood, and he saddles the donkey, and he gets the servants, and he gets Isaac to go out to do this unbelievable sacrifice God has asked him to do, to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering. What an amazing response of obedience early the next morning. You see, the conflicted self would say, now, wait a minute, God. I'm not going to rush into this thing. Let me sleep on it. Let me think about it. Let me work it out. Let me evaluate how this is going to affect everything. I've got to have some time, God, before I buy into your call here. Not Abraham. Early the next morning, he's up about it, obedient. It's not the conflicted self which would say, now wait a minute, God, you're a decent God. You're a caring God. You're a loving God. You surely don't mean you want me to offer my son, Isaac, as a burnt offering. Why, God, that's what the pagans do. That's what the heathens do. That's what the idol worshipers do. You can't mean that, God. No, early the next morning. He gets Isaac, he's ready to go. The conflicted self would say, now wait a minute, God. You promised that you would give me a multitude of descendants through Isaac. Now, if I kill Isaac, how's this going to work? You can't mean this, God. That would blow your plan up. Now, he takes the son of promise, Isaac, ready to go early next morning. Abraham's not the one in the conflicted self to try to bargain with God and say, no, wait a minute, God, how about a thousand sheep instead of Isaac? Lord, if it's got to be a human sacrifice, how about one of these servants that I've got? No, he obeys and takes the son God has given him of promise and prepares him to be sacrificed. It is a response of obedience, not from a conflicted self, but a committed self, a confident self, a comfortable self that just says, I believe in the character of God and the call of God and the command of God and the capability of God to take what I do not understand and work it out. And then it's a response of faith. You know, the Bible says that Abraham, they get so far, and he says to the servants, you guys stay here, and I and the lad or the boy, we will go and we will worship, and then we will come back to you. Just as a side note, I thought, boy, that's a good challenge about worship because so many times in our 21st century spiritual mentality, we always equate worship with praise music. And we can certainly worship God through praise music. But there are also times when we worship God through painful challenges. Do you remember Job chapter 1? When they weren't having a praise service, they were having a burial service for all ten of Job's children. And the Bible says he bows himself with his head to the ground and he worships the Almighty, who gives and who takes away. But he says, we're going to go and worship, and then we are going to come back to you. 
You see, what Abraham is doing is showing a response of faith. He said, God may be requiring me to kill this boy, but I have absolute confidence he's going to raise him from the dead because he's the son of promise. He's the one God said a multitude of descendants would come through, so if he kills him, he's going to raise him back up. That's exactly what Hebrews and chapter 11 teaches about Abraham, verses 17 through 19, when the Bible says, by faith... Abraham offered Isaac, receiving him back figuratively from the dead. You see, when God said, Abraham, sacrifice your son in Abraham's transformed self, he said, he's as good as dead. But on the other hand, as there we're coming back from that sacrifice, we're going to come back for together because he's as good as resurrected because God promised that nations would come out of Isaac. So he may slay him, but he's going to raise him up. It is a response of faith. Brothers and sisters, the transformed self is when you and I can come to the point by the grace of Christ and the help of the Holy Ghost to where when God puts a command upon us, whether it is written plainly in his word or impulsed in our spirit by his Holy Spirit, when he puts a command on us, though it may be challenging and though we may not understand it and we may not know how in the world this could work out, we say, you know what, God, here I am. I'll do what you want me. I'll get on it, Lord. I'll not break stride. That is the transformed self. Now, I cannot address this passage without alluding to the gospel within it as well. It's what I would call Abraham's rejoicing. You see, if you'll study this passage, you'll find amazing types or comparisons to the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus. You see, first of all, Abraham is told by God, take your son, your only son, Isaac, the son of your love. Doesn't that sound like Jesus Christ? For God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his one and only son. And then he says, I want you to take him up to that mountain. So Abraham cuts the wood, and the Bible says he places it on Isaac's back. John 19, verse 26, Christ carried his own cross on his back for a while. Then the Bible says that they come to a point where there's going to be a sacrifice, but Isaac says, Father, there's no lamb. And Abraham prophetically says, Son, God will provide himself a lamb. John 1, verse 29, John Baptist pointed to Christ on the shore of Galilee or Jordan there and said, Behold, or look, the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. It was the father Abraham who carried the knife and who carried the fire. And it was the father Abraham that prepared to slay his son. King James Version, Isaiah chapter 53, verse, 11, verse 10, the Lord was pleased to bruise him. In verse 6, it says, And the Lord laid on him, the Father on the Son, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Don't you ever think for a moment that the cross was about the devil defeating Jesus. The cross was about God the Father judging our sin. 
on, His Son, Jesus Christ. And then think about the son. Isaac could have easily overpowered his old daddy, but he yields himself as this young, viral man to be taken and bound and laid on an altar to be sacrificed by his elderly father. The Lord Jesus Christ said in Matthew 26 and verse 20, uh, 39 to his heavenly father, Father, not my will, but thine be done. And then it says that on the third day, Abraham said, we're going to go and worship and come back. You see, for three days, Isaac has already been as good as dead in Abraham's heart. But he will be raised, Abraham believes. The Bible tells us, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the gospel, Jesus Christ died for our sins and was raised the third day, according to the Scriptures. And then finally, when God does call out to Abraham that second time and he sees the ram that then replaces Isaac on the altar and dies in Isaac's stead, and the Bible says he called the place there in the Hebrew, Jehovah Jireh, where the Lord has provided. And in the mount of the Lord it will be seen or provided. Jesus Christ said in John chapter 8 that Jerry read this morning, he said, Abraham saw my death and rejoiced. Now, how did Abraham see what Christ was about to do? Did God give him a vision? Did God open the corridors of time and allow him to peer down and to see Christ on that mountain? I don't know. I just know Jesus said somehow Abraham knew of what I would do, and he rejoiced in it. It's interesting. Most conservative Bible teachers believe this mountain Mount Moriah, where Isaac was to be sacrificed and the ram died in his place, would later become the Temple Mount, Second Chronicles in chapter 1, and then later, chapter 3, and then later become Mount Calvary, where Jesus Christ died. In the mount of the Lord, it will be provided. And just as Abraham somehow rejoiced in Christ, so you and I can as well because he has provided for us the way to move from a conflicted and torn self to a yielded, comfortable within ourselves, a peace self, not dominated by regret, though it doesn't disappear, but dominated by a response to the Lord. Lord, I'll do your will. I'll do what you want me to do. And you see, we find that in Romans and chapter 8. Romans chapter 7, Doug alluded to that last week, where I should do these things. Paul says, I want to do them, but I don't do them. The things I don't want to do, that's what I do do. He said the conflict. But in chapter 8, we have the comfort of Romans chapter 8 and verse 27, where the Bible says there, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Sacrifice my son, the son of promise, the son through which the seed will come. I don't get it, God, but I have the comfort of knowing you work all things out for good. That transforms us into those ready to respond to the Lord. Though we don't get it or understand it or may struggle with it, we obey. 
And then it says in verse 37, we are more than conquerors. It's not just a squeaker of a victory. It is a dynamic victory. Though the challenges of Romans 8 that Paul describes come to us in all these things, we're more than conquerors. Though the regrets are there and the struggles are there and the doubts are there and the fears are there and the sins are there, we rise up in victory in response to God because of Jesus Christ who is what he's done for us and what he's doing in us. We're more than conquerors. And then finally, the transformed self moves from the brokenness, oh, wretched man that I am, to being blessed by the awareness of God's calling of us and God's choosing us. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, and verses 28 and 29, whom God foreknew, he predestined. Whom God predestined, he called. Whom God called, he justified. Whom God justified, he glorified. A lot has been said about Steve Jobs of late and all that he did in our uh, society with Apple and so on and the interesting idiosyncrasies of his life, etc. But I like one thing I heard about Steve Jobs' life. He was adopted as a young child. And he was playing with another child one day, and they were talking about the adoption. And this other child said to a young Steve Jobs, Oh, your parents, why did they, you know, why did they give you up for adoption? They didn't like you. And Steve Jobs ran into the house crying to his adoptive parents. He said, feeling abandoned that his biological parents had given him up. But his adoptive parents so wisely and so lovingly said, Steve, don't you understand? We chose you. Out of so many children, we chose you to be our child. And Steve Jobs said, from that day, it wasn't about feeling abandoned. It was about feeling chosen. Despite my brokenness, my mistakes, my sins, before the world began, God chose and called me to himself. I think Isaiah is so great about illustrating this broken self to this transformed self. In Isaiah chapter 6, you find Isaiah the prophet seeing God's holiness and his own sin, and he cries out, Woe is me! I'm undone! I'm a man of unclean lips! I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips! And the Bible teaches that unclean lips signify unclean hearts. For Jesus, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. Oh, he said, I'm a sinner, I'm wretched, I'm broken, I'm unclean. But then God sends symbolically an angel to come, grab tongs and lay, take a hot coal off the altar, lay it on Isaiah's lips, and said, this has touched your lips and it's cleansed you. And then in that cleansed state, God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And here is the formerly broken Isaiah, cleansed by the grace of God, to say, Lord, as Abraham did, here am I. Send me. Brothers and sisters, that's the transformation. When we come from the point of saying, I'm not worthy for God to use me or love me, to the point of, by the grace of God, He loves me, He's chosen me, He's called me, He'll use me. I like to do some deep reading. By the way, that story about Charlotte Elliott, I recommend it to you. You can find a good book about hymns in our church library. 
Then I found another deep theological book that helped me this week, the Christian Mother Goose book. It's in our library. You might want to get it for your kids. It's brokenness and transformation. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Humpty Dumpty shouted, Amen! God can put me back together again. Amen for Humpty Dumpty.